the criminal code of the underworld and a sacred vow of silence. But what happens when a criminal turns witness against his own? MCD presents Omerta, a live show with me, Nicola Talent, in association with Crime World on April 27th in the Olympia Theatre Dublin. Tickets on sale now at ticketmaster.ie. Like driving up to the north to meet dissident figures is probably not a forgettable experience, really. Barrister does their job and that's their job. They probably are not personally invested in, in it in, in, on a personal level, but he's taken it really to heart. So you don't have to say something. You can say nothing and you don't lie. I'm Nicola Talent and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The Special Criminal Court watched two faces of state witness Jonathan Dowdall during his fifth day under cross-examination as tapes of his arrest were played and he was asked to comment on the lies that he told Gardaí back in 2016 after his arrest for murder. The complex character of the witness played out on the video recordings and in his answers from the stand where he has said Jerry the Monk Hutch told him he shot David Byrne. Today, I'm talking with Niall Donald after another dramatic week at the Regency trial. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So he's finished his first week in the box under cross-examination, which has been gruelling. Yeah. But it really struck me sitting there today that, you know, in the run-up to the witness appearing, Jonathan Dowdall, Brendan Grahan at one point suggested that there was this spectre hanging over the trial, which had gone on for weeks, of course, the Hutch trial. Yeah. And the spectre was Dowdall. And now that he's appeared in the last couple of days, we have two of them in the room. Yeah. So we have him on screen where in 2016 he's arrested in May and he's answering questions and we have him in the room. So he's been asked to comment on his own... His own performance. ...performance and questioning and why he said this and why he said that. And it's strange because it's exactly the same guy. Yes. So it's like he's twinning. And, and both accounts can't be true. I mean, that that is the crux of it, Like, mm. which he doesn't uh, fully acknowledge, does he? He still kind of... Uh, suggests the original The Guard interview recorded in 2016 where all these, the same questions are put to him about the Regency. He gave an account that's what utterly at, at different than the one he gave subsequently. But they can't both be true. Well, he sticks to this constant narrative that he was afraid, he was told not to speak up, he couldn't get to the police, he tried a few times and it was only when he was charged with murder that he did speak to them because what, say, an individual who didn't commit a murder would accept a murder charge. Which is which is fair enough. In a, like, that is an explanation. But what Brendan Gregan keeps going back to him to say, like, you know, did you know anything about the Regency Hotel booking? Rather than saying, giving an answer, he could have said, no comment. He could have stayed quiet. I mean, that's you know, pretty standard practice in guard interviews at times. That's exactly it, you know. Yeah, but instead he gives detailed, you know, powerfully delivered wrong answers. Mm -hmm. And that's going, that's what what he is trying to highlight. Like the inconsistencies are obvious. 
Um, he's given an explanation which you could either accept or not. But I think Brendan Grehan is focusing on, on the delivery and the, the the fact that he didn't have to he didn't have to tell untruths. He could have said nothing or said I don't want to answer that. And he was. I mean, you can hear the guards that are speaking to them. They're obviously so caught up in what they, you know, every box has to be ticked, they'd always say to you. Yeah. And that's the case. And when they're interviewing somebody, if they don't behave in a certain manner, you know, they will, and at one point, one of the guards says to them, we'd lose our jobs yeah. at the very least, but also presumably whatever they take from the um, the arrest, the interview can't be used. I mean, guardy who interview suspects are trained in interview skills. Yeah. And everything they put to them, I think they have to put everything to them on arrest so as they can use it in court. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't you can't all of a sudden introduce new information. It's basically like, you know, like we have to go to people for comment, you know? They have yeah. to be asked about it, put to them before it can be introduced in court. Exactly what you're going to say or what your yeah. what, what your case is. So and yesterday I think I was adamant that he was arrested there on firearms charges. He was arrested yeah. for the Regency murder yeah. at that point. That's what he was there for. Because there was a firearm used in the Regency murder, he could be held for up to seven days. They had to go in and out of court to get warrants. I don't know exactly how long he was held. Yeah. But the most interesting thing there was, so he has stuck to the, the current Jonathan Dowdall, right? The yeah. guy who's in the box, the real life guy, yeah. not the guy on screen. So, so this is the guy who's, I'm telling the truth now. I just want to tell the truth and get it off my chest. And I don't care if I got a deal or not got a deal. But he has stuck to this, that he didn't know that he had been implicated in the Regency murder until the guardie told him during this interview, okay? Yeah. So when he's arrested at the airport, when his house is raided, you know, when he go right back to him hearing it on the radio, the Regency hotel attack had happened, he is claiming he never put two and two together and thought that, uh, oh my God, I booked, or we booked that room between us in the Regency. Yeah. Maybe I'm implicated. Yeah, He has stuck absolutely rigidly and to this day does that he only found out about the room and what it was used for when the guardie told him. So I was kind of waiting for that to come up on the screen. So we go back to the other Jonathan Dowdall, the guy from 2016. And when he is, when it is put to him, and we'll go through some of the other stuff they did in a minute, but he doesn't flinch. No, no. Like, it's not this, it doesn't look anyway, like a big bombshell moment. I mean, you can imagine your natural reaction if that was the case, and you were told, actually, this room was used by one of the Regency Hotel hit team, and that you realised, oh my, geez, everything would be going through your head. My father, my wife, my father-in-law, how many people have I implicated? Oh my God, where was I? Da -da -da. Not a jot of it. No, because, I mean, uh, if you've ever been, in, I remember being in a similar situation in, when I was in secondary school and being caught out with a fact, and your instant reaction is to freeze and go... <gasps> You what know, fact uh, is it? <laughs> I'm not going to get into it. You no, shouldn't no. have brought it up. No, well, I, well it would, look, it wouldn't convict me. Well, it was in, in school, so that's kind of like no. uninteresting anyway. Exactly. You know. but, but, you know, if you compare it, right, um, the most famous interview of a, of, a, of a suspect who constantly did interviews was the Joe O'Reilly mm -hmm. interview, right? You know, everybody knows about that. And he did loads of interviews, actually. It wasn't just the RTE one, but, you know, they, they, that was the one that was... Visual. That, but his body language was all, he, he, like, he looked like a guilty man through his body language. Mm. But does Jonathan Dowdle look 
like a well you're looking at him on screen in fairness to yeah. him and he's in an interview room so he's sitting on an uncomfortable chair yeah, yeah. like you know with his legs spread and he has his solicitor beside him yeah. uh, Yvonne Bambury has come in at this stage yeah. uh, Brendan Graham described her as one of the most experienced criminal solicitors in the country and so it is difficult I suppose to see the body language but you can just see the general reaction there isn't a second that he stops there isn't that shutdown yes, moment no, though there is there and that, no. that's what you got with Joe O'Reilly I mean I know the body language was drawn mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. but there was that kind of shut down and yeah. kind of you could see him overthinking as he an- tried to answer questions but Jonathan Dowdle but it should be a heart stopping moment it, for should him. Be. it should be an absolute should be. and he should at least say what you know yeah. what I mean Yeah. but there's none of that Yeah. and I'll find my notes on it now as we as we go through this so yeah he arrived in this morning as usual just after 11 uh, Brendan Grahan stands up to continue this, what he's describing as this like attack on his personality. Yeah, like he's definitely like, and I mean, look, I, at least on this, I wouldn't blame him, even though it's probably not fair to to, to the barrister. But he he's certainly taking it really personally now, isn't he? The the, he, the, the question, yes. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, a barrister does their job, and that's their job. They probably are not personally invested in in it in. On a personal level, but he's taken it really to heart, isn't he? I've seen other witnesses get a little bit irate when they're being called liars, but they they don't. I've never seen a witness go into the rants that Dowdall does. I really haven't. Um, you know, I've seen them stand up for themselves and heard them and and read court copy when they do, and they say, "I'm not telling lies; I'm telling the truth." Or they'll have a moment of, you know, look, say what you want, but this is. But, you know, I'm not here to do anything but tell the truth or whatever. Um, I saw Martin Byrne over five days and his everything he said, be questioned, gone over. It was exhausting, but he never lost his temper. He never got irate. He'd never got animated. Yeah. He wasn't a criminal. No. He had no criminal conviction and there was there was no dirt to throw at him really other than silly stuff about his background and how how qualified he was, you know, yeah, he was yeah. a security yeah. officer for the uh, Mansfield company. And I think a lot of those security um, courses they do can be just a few days, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, and they'll put them on their CV and they'll put them on their LinkedIn profiles. But actually, if you really want to get petty, you can dig in and go, well, that was only a two-day course. And But it was that was literally the kind of stuff that yeah. they were able to throw at him. But Dowdall, like, has... There's yeah. a mountain of stuff. I and mean, he, he constantly goes back to Brendan Grenn and accuses him of trying to destroy him, yeah. trying to destroy his character, all that type of stuff. And like, uh, you know, it is... It and is. he started with that. I mean, he went, he arrived in, in fighting form and he started to describe, um, you know, what, that he was an honest man. Sorry, it was on the tape, actually, they, the first bit of the tape, they played he said he was an honest man he'd never been he was telling the cops this in 2016 he'd never been involved in any crime or in any criminal organization um that he had just made his money an honest living and all he tried to do is help other people along and he said that and, like and maybe the odd waterboarding <laughs> a little bit of waterboarding in between yeah. he said like that he'd always like to say to young people there's a different way to have a fancy car this is the right way to have it don't get involved in drug dealing here's the good way like you know he's they're saying this in 2016. So, you know, the tape shuts down and Graham turns to him and says, are you an honest man? And he said, there's a difference being 
an honest person and a dishonest person. I mean, it make, make no sense. Yeah. And then he, he turned on him and said, I didn't tell lies. You know, I couldn't speak at the time because of my children, because of my family, because of the threats I was under. And then he said, and look what's happened now. Since September, he said, there's been death threats threats issued every day on a Twitter page. Um, the children as young as 10 have been threatened. Um, they, he said their schools won't take them back in. Now, I mean, they're supposed to be under, uh, you know, consideration for the Witness Protection Programme. So if he's any understanding of that, he will know they're not going back to their old schools, no. their old life, their old country, their old home. You know, but this this is what he's saying at the moment. He said his daughter had to leave her job, that she was a a solicitor or a lawyer or something and she was still studying or something and she was working and her employer said it was too dangerous for to go in and out of work. So everything he said I feared would happen has happened and they've approached, they've even approached, they being, he's referring to the Hutch associates of Jerry Hutch, the man in the box who's denied murdering David Byrne. If they've approached us, they've even approached my mother, a 62-year-old woman, he says she's she's had to move out of the country. So Grehan stopped him and he sort of, turned to him again, you're attacking me, you're attacking me all week, I'm sitting here for the last five days and you're attacking me. And Grehan said to him, I'm actually just going to interrupt you to say, maybe don't say anything personal about your family. You wanted your family not brought into this. I'm avoiding the issue. Yeah. You're bringing this up and it's not a good idea to be saying where people are. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, he's a bit all over the place with that. He is like, <clears throat> and look, in in fairness to him, I mean, it must be, his, his family are in danger. I mean, there are stuff on the internet, stuff on social media, not to direct people to it in particular, but I mean, it is. There's been photographs put up, there's no doubt. Yeah, but I mean, it is. That has it, been going on, Niall, since 2016. It has, it has. But I mean, I suppose there, there, there is a, you know, as he gives evidence, I suppose it becomes more heightened and all that. He's but, claiming he was grand between yeah. 20, April 2016 when he's... Uh, April, is it May? He's, sorry, April, well, this well, this arrest is, right? Yeah. And September, when he goes... September, last year, last September, yeah, when he goes when to the Gardaí. when he goes to the Gardaí. But he said in between that, everything was fine. There was no problem whatsoever, even though he has stated that at the point he goes to the Gardaí, he's under threat from the Hutches, from the Kinnahans, and from the Provost. Well, I suppose he's saying, in fairness to him, that, that his family, <clears throat> the, the threats to his family, he feel, has increased since he agreed to become state witness, and that became public knowledge. Well, he actually said there were no threats yeah. between the arrest and the raids. Everything was fine. Yeah. They were living as normal, yeah. albeit he was in prison for the little bit of waterboarding for a while. Yeah. But that is only really when he goes to Guardia that these threats start. Now, I mean, we can clearly see they have escalated. They have. The whole thing has escalated. Yeah. But for somebody who part of his evidence is that he's living in fear all these years yeah. and he's under threat, yeah. he's saying the exact opposite. Yeah, I mean, look, there, it's it's one of the inconsistencies mm. or, or what appears to be inconsistencies to an observer. He's a very, very inconsistent uh, witness. There's just no question about it. The On the video screen then, they move on to this the booking of the hotel Um so I think they first actually, Grehan must ask him at some stage, the real Jonathan Dowdall, the yeah. one in the box, uh, had you any worries that the guardy may have had your USB stick when you were arrested? Yeah. And he says, uh, I did actually because I lost it. Yeah. I lost it. But I mean, I, like... He lost it, the USB I, stick with a bit of water to, look, on it. You have to wonder, not that I've ever 
considered waterboarding anybody. But if I did, why would I record it? I mean, who is that to show? Or it's a little personal library or something? I mean, it's, an, it's absolutely such an unusual thing to do. I mean, I'm not saying waterboarding is normal, but why record it and keep it for... And obviously nobody the f- except the investigators have seen the full tape, but we it was said in court that on it, he states that him and his father were IRA, the head of the IRA. The head of the IRA and... Yeah, I so mean, that could get him in trouble with. That could get. I mean, he obviously wore a balaclava during it, but I mean, it's amazing to like. Why would you want to like record it and 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 who are you gonna who are you gonna show it to? You um, see, that's I mentioned yesterday. I feel there's a, I have a sense that he's a little bit of a fantasist. I mean, I'm not stating that he wasn't in the middle of this and this isn't all real, yeah. but there's a certain element of him that is just seems a little bit. Yeah, and I think there's a kind of a, I mean, he's obviously talked about acting the hard man, bravado, all of those terms coming straight out of him, pretending to be more something that he wasn't. And maybe this waterboarding was going to be shown to people to show Do what a I tough am. guy he was. Mm. But I mean, I, it just to, to, you know, there's a couple of things to want to keep it as bizarre. It's like snuff movie or something, uh, isn't it? Well, it's bizarre, like, yeah. isn't it? And I mean, what, what, like, what is the purpose of keeping it except to show it to somebody, I suppose. But anyway. So anyway, the, the card and the hotel and all that. So they very sort of gently and they give him ample time to say, they ask him, like the guardie ask him, do you remember where you were on the 4th yeah. of February? This yeah. is the day he drove to Straban with his father. He was supposed to meet Kevin Tyrone O'Neill and we, neither of them showed up, or certainly yeah. Kevin Tyrone didn't show up. They drove back down. They had these instructions to book the room in the hotel, this complicated story about yeah. how they did they'd it. Given, they'd given very detailed evidence about how they got a they got a call on the way back from, from Patsy, and then they got the, ro- the room reserved. Then the father went in and, and uh, showed his passport and paid for the room, and that room was subsequently used by Flatcap Kevin Murray as part of the Regency attack team. So, obviously, at this point, the guards. This is a February. Sorry, this is 2016. They obviously know this information, mm-hmm. but Jonathan Dowdle, when he's being questioned, doesn't know they know. Is that would that be? So, he, he, well, he must suspect they know. Like, I mean, yeah. he did go to the Regency, <laughs> and they have the, the. I mean, it's not that far away from them. No, the booking of the room. No. And he's also been raided yeah. in the march. So, I mean, he's still claiming that he knew nothing about his links to the Regency and yeah. that he was in any way implicated. Yeah. So th- that just is nonsensical, really. Yeah. But anyway, he doesn't remember, he says in 2016, that Jonathan Dowd all on the screen where he was in the 4th. It was probably just a regular day, he said. Yeah. They asked him, um, did he drive his father around. Oh, I my father doesn't drive. I often drive him around. They eventually get on to asking him, has he ever been to the Regency Hotel? No, not in years. Then he goes into a detailed explanation how he was there in about 2012 at a boxing thing and that was the last time he was in it. An old, another old waffle. Another old waffle. And, um, you know, were you anywhere near the area? No, 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 I don't. No, I don't know what I did. I don't know what I did. So they keep giving him all these opportunities because I think that is their... That is what the hook. You see, because that's what they have to do. The guards. Well, they do, but also, if you remember from the other evidence, the the like he he parks his car, mm-hmm. Jonathan Dowdle, and the father goes in. But Jonathan Dowdle parks his car in a place where he's not picked up by the Regency Hotel CCTV system. It's out in the road, nearly. I think it's out in the road. So obviously, there 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 there's you know. It, 
they're looking to see if there's a suggestion that he deliberately avoided being caught on the CCTV of the, the Regency Hotel. Now, he is caught on some other camera, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just the nature of the modern world. The corner world. of like, his car is. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, the Jeep is quite specific. The so Jeep, there, by the way, he's only got delivered brand new in the February. Yeah. So they're obviously, that's what they're looking at there and looking for him to, because, you know, if somebody, again, as we said yesterday, if you're under caution and you lie to the guardee, um, that, that is a big issue, uh, you know, if you're ever prosecuted and you haven't told the truth. So, I mean, if he, he's asked, have you ever been in the Regency in recent times or whatever, and he says no, like that, that is, there is big implications for you if you were to be come before a court at a later point, lying under oath is not looked on favourably. A hundred percent. He's had on video, as he's been asked these questions, he goes into a rant yeah. with the guardie and says to them, my life is destroyed, it's all your fault, um, and this Twitter site, it's all your fault, you raided my house, I had a business, I have no business now, my mental health, uh, my family are destroyed, everyone's under threat. Yeah. Um, and they kind of say, well, look, you know, we're just doing our jobs here, we're just asking you these questions and we're going to be as fair to you as we can. Do you understand what we're doing here? You know, you're, everything's been recorded, you do understand every answer you give has mm. been recorded, you have your solicitor there beside you. Um, we'll ask you again, do you remember what you were doing on the 4th? No, no idea. He's no idea what he was doing on the 4th. Yeah. Do you remember the 5th? Of course I do. That was like the Twin Towers, he says. Yeah, yeah. I mean, agency. look, I, exactly. I mean, he, like driving up to the north to meet dissident figures is probably not a forgettable experience, really. No, indeed. So, um, Brandon Graham goes to battle with them on this. And, you know, why? why did you say you couldn't remember, obviously you've given us a detailed account of the what, what you were doing. Oh, I've told you now, you know, I'm here now kind of again, you know, I've told the guards now, I've told them my statement, it's all in my statement. Yeah. And um, he says to him, um, you know, why did you say anything? Because he does say quite a lot. You know, yeah. you, you were allowed to say nothing. Yeah. You were allowed to say no which comment. Is, which he's, he's drawn a big distinction because he can say nothing. Yeah. And you don't lie. Yes. Exactly. So you don't have to say something, you know. But he's saying he's he's te- he's answering them and telling them lies, basically. Yeah. Um. So they throw in at some point the guardie about the weapons, and when asked about that, did he know anything about the weapons? Yeah, because of course he was arrested on charges related to weapons. Uh, used in the Regency or whatever. And he said he knew nothing about them. He said that there was rumours going around at the time that they were Gaddafi's cons. Yeah. Um, but everything is related to anything he hears or sees is in the media. Yeah. He knows nothing really himself Directly. about what's really going on here in the background. He's kept in the dark by the hutches yeah. who are threatening him and are telling him, directing him what to do. He sort of came to the table as a good Samaritan but the only details of what happened to the Regency, he just knows through the media. Yeah. Is what he's saying. Look, anyway, so that's what he's saying. Um, he is asked about, during those interviews in 2016, about visiting a political prisoner. Yeah. And he says, no, he didn't ever visit a political prisoner. And of course, that's Pierce McCauley. He's asked about that in the courtroom. Yeah. Why did you lie about that? Uh, I couldn't say, couldn't say. Yeah. You know, couldn't say anything back then, you don't understand. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he, he, you know, he could have said something back then because, as he said, it's not a crime, he says himself it's not a crime to visit a, somebody in prison. Um, now, there's an inter- No, what he actually says is, to 
qualify that it's not a total lie. Yeah. He says that Pierce Macaulay wasn't a political prisoner at that <laughs> time. Yeah, okay. Well, look, and that, and he actually does that equivocation again, actually, just about were you ever at the Regency? And what he does is he says, I was, like he accepts while I was in the car park, but he hadn't been in the Regency Hotel. He makes a distinction between being in the, in the door of the place and in the car park. Exactly. And so Mr. Graham says to him, so, so it's half a lie. And, uh, but even he doesn't accept that. He says, no, I was in the car park, Dowdle replied. And Mr. Graham then said he told an elaborate lie. So there's, that's the whole, it's, it's long, isn't it, uh, to hear that? I mean, absolutely. And you seem to be going back over the same yeah. plate, you know, it's going round and round in circles. Um, he is asked in the arrest in 2016, does he keep a diary? He says, no. And the police then put to him, well, there's a diary found in your house. So yeah. he says, well, there's seven people living in the house. Yeah. Um, and I think he says, I can't remember now whether that's in the courtroom or, or in on the in 2016, but it's all pretty similar. He's talking about, I'm not going to be badgered or beaten into answering questions. I'm not, I'm, I'm here and I'm answering. I'm being as honest as I can be. I'm an honest man. I'm not a criminal. I'm just telling you the truth. Um, and of course, when you hear him saying that in 2016, in exactly the same way he says it in the courtroom. Yeah. Now it's it's kind of strange. So the police in the interview bring him on to what they have established at this point. Um, this arrest is in the May, I think I said the April, sorry, it's the May 2016. Mm-hmm. What they've established from their inquiries, they tell him, is that their CCTV footage and inquiries from the phones, they have got the wife's phone number. Yeah. He's admitted the number they have is her number. And they've established that there was a booking from the wife, made from the wife's phone. And the booking, the room was held with her father, Paul O'Flaherty's credit card. And that they later pick up the CCTV at the hotel and they see his father, Patrick Dowdall, going in, paying cash, taking the card, going up to the room, coming back down from the room, and later... That evening, a man comes in who rounds up to be flat cap. They don't actually name him as yet in the, these interviews, but um, and this he has the key. Yeah. And um, actually, in the interview in 2016, I'll go for this one this time. You can repeat it if you really particularly want, but <laughs> Dowdo says, that's bollocks, yeah. right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Graham says to him in the room, in, back in the courtroom here now, says to him, you think you were innocent then. Yeah. You know, you, you're sitting there in 2016 and you think you're completely innocent. You have no idea. Why don't you just tell them yeah. that you booked the room, that you didn't know, you anything, didn't about know it. anything about it, yeah. and that you... You were asked to do it by Patsy and you, you didn't. And it was a normal thing to do and yeah. you didn't. And why didn't you tell them? And he says to him, uh, I wasn't allowed to tell about yeah. that. So he says, but you weren't allowed to tell about the van and you did tell about the van. And he gets kind of indignant, yeah. doubt all in the box. And he says, I was allowed to tell about the van. Right. And so who allowed him? was going like, what are you talking about? Who allowed him? Well, actually, yeah. if you listen back to the tapes, yeah. which were recorded on the 7th of March, 2016, he does say to J- Jerry Hutch on those tapes, uh, Patsy told me to lie about the van and Jerry Hutch murmurs something along the lines of you can't lie about the van, you'll have to tell the truth about the van. Yeah, yeah. So, do you know, there are these moments of... Yeah, I mean, the okay. van is a really, you know, it's absolutely provable but, that, it's, that it's his company van, like, he, I suppose, you know. There is that, but the, 
the idea that his narrative is that he's been directed what he can and can't say. Yeah. And actually, you know, if you if you go back to those recordings, yes, he was kind of. Yeah. If you believed the scenario that Hutch was directing him, you he know. did say you have to tell the truth about the band. So. Right. I mean, and then they got into a lot about the use of the credit card for oh, booking yeah. the hotel, the, ho- the Regency Hotel, which was I thought was quite interesting, actually. Mm. Um, because obviously they didn't use the company credit card, the, the Dedal Electrical Company credit card. Instead, they used uh, Jonathan Dedal's father-in-law's credit card. And the guards obviously must have subsequently gone to him. Um, they must have got a formal statement off him, which he, which he answered and gave. They read it out. Yeah. I took down a bit of it, right? The father, in his statement, says that um, he just did it he had a credit card and his daughter, Siobhan, would often use it but would always pay him back. And obviously the girl didn't have a credit card, whatever. He said he just would give them the use of his credit card to help out the family. He says he didn't see Trish very often, but sometimes on her birthday, mostly on her birthday, he'd send her a card. Yeah. But she had never before asked him, could she use the credit card? And he said from the statements, he could see that nothing was ever drawn down on it. Um, Now he said... In the statement, um, he trusts his family and just wants to help them out when they ask, as any father would. Yeah. But definitely, I don't think he said never, but he said certainly in recent years, she had never come to him to ask for the use of the credit card because she'd her own. And obviously, Brendan Gretton is bringing this up because he's he's certainly putting it to Jonathan Dedal that this is unusual behaviour. And if it was regular, normal behaviour, he was just booking a room, why wouldn't he use his credit card? And why would why did this unusual situation arise? And um, that that, you know, he's certainly implying that there there must that that needs to be answered. But Jonathan Dedal uh, just basically says maybe his cards were max, maxed out and and he doesn't provide a particular explanation for that. That's what he says now. Yeah. Back in the arrest in 2016, he actually tells, offers this up to the police because, again, he could have just said no comment. He says to them, but my da, Patrick Dowdell, lives in our house and he has girlfriends. You wouldn't want to be so stupid as to use your own cards and stuff if you were booking a... Right, right, right. Right? Yeah. Now, that's what he said in 2016. He threw that out. Um, He also, when he realises, you see, when the cops eventually say to him, we can tell you that we can connect a man involved in the Regency murder hotel Regency Hotel murder of David Byrne with a room key that is connected to you. Um, he turns around to them at that point and says, well, you need to talk to my father. I had nothing to do with it. This is the moment that the penny is supposed to drop with him. Yeah. And he just says, you need to talk to my father about that. I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, he says uh, about the father with the girlfriend. And then he kind of says to them, they go back again and say to him, are you sure you weren't at the Regency on the 4th or near the Regency or anything? And he says, at that point, having said he hadn't been there in years, he says, well, I drive by the Regency maybe 20 times a day. Yeah. I'm always out and about to the airport and, you know. He does work there, he says. He does work in the airport. Because, of course, they, they, they start talking about phones, bouncing off phone masts and stuff. Now, the phones, they, that gives a, a general area. It's not going to t- say put your your phone isn't going to be triangulated to a very very specific spot, but it's going to be triangulated to to you know whatever. But well, you see, his problem back then in 2016 was, and he 
previously, he got angry, by the way, again with the cops when they spoke to him about this. And he just says, like, I mean, I've nothing to do with any murder. I've no hand actor part in the Regency murder. Well, sure, why would I have anything to do with it? I don't even know the fella. And that's the end of that. Do yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, now, that's yeah. it. So he, uh, they, they talked to him then about the phones. His problem is that it's a mast, okay, so it's not accurate, but... Yeah. They have his and his father's phone bouncing off the exact same mass at the same time, and then they've the father on the CCTV yes, in the hotel. Yes, yes. So, that's, so he, yeah, he's just hoping for wiggle room to say, well, you know, you might have my phone in that general area, but it could be other explanations as I move in and out. However unlikely that it might sound, it, it certainly is a possibility. And interestingly, the two phones bounce off the mass nearest their home on the Navan Road at the time that the wife is booking the room. Yeah. And that he has stated in up-to-date um, statements that he was on his way back from Straban and they actually had to drive home to collect the passport after the room had been yeah. booked. So there doesn't seem to be anything made of that, but certainly they, that was put to him at the time of the arrest in 2016. He says, it's not me. I've no comment. I've no connection to the Regency Hotel. No comment starts to come in to, yeah. the, to this scenario when he's been arrested. So what do you think after five days... I think he is. I think, you see, but then you get very coloured because I'm sitting there and I, I do, um, I suppose, know bits around it as well. Yeah. So I think I think he's a disastrous witness. Yeah. I think he is a completely in, inconsistent. I think he's been caught telling way too many lies. But, you know, it's not up to me. No. It's, it's going to be up to the judges. And amidst those lies, those untruths, is there a witness who... They believe about certain things. Yeah, I mean, like let's like let's be honest. Like uh, you know, with any witness that comes in, you know, they're going to misremember stuff. That's that's human nature. Mm. They're going to people in general have a you know an inherent bias towards themselves, so they're going to tend to present themselves in the the best light that they that's possible. And like while when you read court copy, maybe th that doesn't always come true. But if you're in a court, you'll see a witness. They're not always consistent. Mm -hmm. The courts can look at that and say, well, look, they, they, they got times or dates wrong or they remembered somebody in the room they weren't. That doesn't discount all of their evidence. However, does Jonathan Dowdle fall into that category where, where you know, there's, there's things are just a bit muddled after six years? I don't know that he does. And you see, I suppose other witnesses with parts of their testimony which might be a little bit muddled. Yeah. There might be some backup evidence with it. There, there might, might be, be a, a bit of CCTV. There might be a phone pinging somewhere. There might be something that, if you're in between, is he telling the truth or is it a lie, gives you that little bit more weight towards the truth. Yeah. But in the two significant things that Dowdall is really being put through the ringer on... There is no other evidence. No. It's just his word. It's Jerry Hutch telling him that he Absolutely. shot David Byrne when he was in Whitehall Park. And it's the handing over the key cards. Now, he does say he has his father to back that up, but he hasn't been called as a witness. No, and I mean... He, so, he won't be at this stage, I imagine. No, I don't think so. I don't think they could introduce a new witness at this point without consent from the defence. So, I mean, and even the key card, certainly it, it would, it would, you know tell a certain something, but a very key bit of evidence is that direct confession. Um, like, it is incredible to... For me, I think the standout thing that I just cannot believe and that really throws me towards the direction of untruth is the fact that he has claimed that in May 2016 he'd no idea yeah. that he was implicated. Yeah. That he it never struck him that this thing that happened with all that he was doing 
within it. He he's claiming that he had been, the Hutches have confessed to him. Well, certainly Jerry Hutch has confessed to him. He's claimed that Patsy Hutch was the getaway driver. That Patsy Hutch has asked him not to say anything to the cops, not to say this, not to say that, and that yet he hasn't put two and two together. Yeah, and he just thinks that the room in the Regency is an aside that it would it had nothing to do with anything. And what does he think it was for? But you know what? What I what strike struck me like when listening to the, the tape conversations, Jerry Hutch is so cagey mm. for for a man. Uh, you know, under the circumstances in which he's bugged, he's in a car and all that. He's just so cagey. Like, he really is, uh, my mother used to say, of me actually, you wouldn't let the left hand know what the right hand was doing. And then, <laughs> not to go back into my old mis- <laughs> misdeeds, but so, like, it just seems that strikes odd that mm. he would be so blunt when, and, like, he's one of them people, you know, you say he's a raining outside. Ooh. He just, he mm-hmm. just, so it seemed so out of character. Now, Jonathan Dowdle, in fairness, has given an explanation that he was emotional and agitated, and you know maybe people act differently under those circumstances to give him to give him that in his favour. But he just seems so cagey, Jerry, and that. But he's also hard of hearing. Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. and he actually is. I mean, that's not a makeup no. that he's. I was wondering what he was doing with the headphones in the court the first time, but he is because he often goes, "What?" or "I didn't hear that," or "What." when they're referring to some of the communication that's going on while they're meeting these dissidents, he misses bits because he doesn't actually hear it. And Dowdall is wittering on so much in that car that you couldn't think that you wouldn't switch off a little bit. You know one of those irritants that just keeps in your ear and you're like, you'd often say, yeah, mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, when really your concentration would be completely elsewhere. Yeah. Look, I mean... These are the things for the court to judge. Yeah. You, can, you can give these impressions, but you have to remember the test and laws. I mean, Jerry Hutch is facing life in prison and murder has to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not just a doubt, but beyond a, re- like, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. And so that's the case that that's going to be built. I mean, remember, Jonathan Dowdle is, you know, it's been like, it's, it's, it's incredible to watch it. But it's not the only bit of evidence that the state is putting forward, but it is a key bit by their own admission. I'm not surprised that the, you know, the pinging of phones has come up because I think the first time that was really used properly was the Joe O'Reilly trial. And it was quite sensational at that point. Yeah. We had to, it had to be explained to everyone what triangulation was, what, you know, and it was always said that if Joe O'Reilly left his phone in the office that time, he would have got away with murder. Yeah. Um, but Dowdall, um, there's no suggestion yet, and I wonder where his phone is pinging when he's meeting, as he says, Hutch in Whitehall. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they have obviously looked at that. Um, You know, it'd be interesting to know at this point where his phone was when he says he was meeting him. Yeah. Though, even then, that would only prove a meeting, which is not... And is Whitehall near where he, near Navan Road, like... Maybe it's well, too well, near. No, it's not that near. Like, I mean, mm. it would be it'd be closer to Jerry Hutch's home. Actually, it's maybe covered by the same mast or something. I don't. Well, know. Well, it would be a, a bit away now, in fairness. But I mean, that would only prove a meeting occurred. It wouldn't have. But that what would was help, said. wouldn't it? Well, Do you know be, what I mean. If you had those two phones together on that day, in that place, yeah, where he is saying, as I'm saying to you, he's this kind of guy that you don't really know whether to believe. Some of it yeah. seems believable. Some of it doesn't. But if you had that little extra bit of backup evidence there, and I'm sure if it's there, it'll be yeah. right before the court, but that would make you... Yeah, I don't... I, I, I know exactly what you're saying, but, you know, it's... it's Yeah, it's what is said. I I mean, I would think that they did meet at that place. Mm-hmm. 
but it's what the it's of what course said. the point is yeah by the time he told them yeah there probably is no records left of the phone no they're not allowed to keep them or they don't keep yeah. them forever yeah though they may have been allowed to keep them if they were investigating a murder yeah. at that point you know maybe so um so would you like to uh Go for a cup of coffee with Jonathan Dowdle? Do you think you'd no, be something? No, I swear to God. I absolutely, I mean, he's just not, it's j- just the constant. Yeah. He would actually, he would actually exhaust me. Yeah. He would exhaust me. Don't Ten it? hours in a car with him. <laughs> I, I just, there's absolutely no way. I'd have to stick my headphones in or something. Yeah. There is something kind of teenagery about him in his, his explanations. I mean, if, you know, if people have kids and that are teenagery, that kind of relentless. Yeah. The relentlessness. Of no, there it, it definitely there is some sort of an arrested development there. I was watching him in court today as well, and he never lifts his eyes from the floor. No, he comes in, he casts his eyes down, he walks across, he sits down. He's very polite to the court and very communicative with the judges. He's yeah. not a bit afraid of the judges. No, no, like, he quite likes the, the judges. I think. I think he, he does. Yeah, I think he thinks the judges are kind of being fairer to him. Yeah, but he definitely takes the defense personally, which is which is an. Kind of an odd thing. It's well, understandable. It's teenagery, is it? It's kind of teenagery. Yeah. It's like the teacher really, really hates me, uh, yeah. rather than you didn't do your homework and you're in trouble. <laughs> you but know? he keeps his eyes cast to the ground. He pours himself the water. He drinks his water. He's on two occasions, and I mean, each of these sessions in court are no longer than two hours. So it's eleven to one, and it's two to four. Yeah. On two occasions, he's asked the court to rise so he can go to the loo. Yeah, but now, I, pres- I find that incredible. Yeah, but if that, I was minding him, I'd say to him before, now, do you need to go to the loo? <laughs> well, see, no, but I mean, I think, you know, in fairness to him, he's probably just looking for a break, is he? To well, compose I mean, himself. They, they, but they have told him yeah. that if he wants a break, ask yeah. at any time yeah. and they'll they'll rise for 10 minutes and give him the break he needs. But it's, no, I think he actually needs to go to the loo. Well, maybe, maybe. Look, like, I'd look, in some ways, you know, the pressure he's under, it is, it is immense. Mm. Like, we will give him that and he... You know, it's very hard to for anybody to have themselves picked apart to that extent. And he does answer every question. He's a man obsessed with the media. Yeah. Absolutely, totally and utterly between and the you know social what I do? media, Twitter accounts and the actual media. And do you know what I do find a bit unusual about that? Because he's off then to the witness protection programme and he puts all of, I mean, all of what has happened goes he has a new identity he doesn't have to carry that reputation around no He's, true yeah which is an unusual thing then so why is he fighting so hard for little bits of his reputation i mean i can understand that again on a human level but it's not something that he's going to carry because he can't be known wherever he's gone he's going to have a new but he feels wronged he feels wronged he and feels wronged and he's giving out in 2016 when he's sitting in that police station he's giving out to the cops saying that you've put it all put it all out in the media about my house being raided and da 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 like the fact of the matter is his house is on the Navan road yeah. right it's a main road yeah and like anywhere in Ireland if the cops burst in your door yeah. are out searching the back of the house your house is sealed off with police cars outside the front you don't need the cops to tell the media no. something like that those very, like, I mean, and those he had, raids, and just not to be not to be smart, but he had, of course, told Joe about yeah. it. You know, I mean, this is the thing, and the, and yet, anyway, he's he's accusing them of that, and it's all about it's uh, the guards are to blame, the media are to blame, and the Twitter account, which he thinks he's so muddled as well, because he thinks that first Twitter account, which was uh, up and running in 2016, the one that outed him before yeah. he was raided, yeah. or so be 
the one that outed him just before he was raided, yeah, yeah. That, he, that it supposedly said that he he was paid two hundred fifty thousand. He thinks the Hutches ran that yeah. when it was obviously a Kinnahan yeah. run, and it was investigated and it was discovered it was a Kinnahan run yeah. um, social media account. Yeah. There's a sense of paranoia to him that yeah. comes out every now and then. There was something else he said today, and I probably won't just remember it, nor can I mainly read back my own writing. But he was putting two and two together and he was getting 17. Yeah. And you could just see yeah. the paranoid mind. Yeah. And of course, he's on his own. He's in jail. He's thinking, thinking, thinking. When you start getting paranoid, yeah. it really eats you up. Oh, totally. And I mean, it looks sure he has. It's, he's under, I mean, he's under effective lockdown in that prison and, mm-hmm. you know, huge pressure. So look, anyway, we move on to next week. He's back in at least for three days next week and you'd wonder whether he's going to be let off before Christmas or is he going to be drawn back? Yeah, but it, I think it, it, yeah, I mean, they, they you know, they, they are, the defence, while the courts will finish, if the defence want them back, they'll bring them back, even if it takes, yeah. you know, if they take that three weeks or whatever the break is, yeah, they will bring them back. I mean, they're not going to stop just because the time has run out, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, would you go for coffee with him then? Well, I think I probably would. I You're mean, a little bit more sort of. I'm, uh, I'm not. I'm good cop, good cop, non-judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you are a little bit more. You know, your patience isn't tested as easily as mine. No, no. Um, but anyway, he won't be going going for no, coffee he won't with be you or I no. or anybody else for a long, long time. Um, so look, that's it wrapped up for this week. The Hutch trial. It is sensational. Everybody's talking about it. I'm going to try and switch off for the weekend and I'm going out for dinner tonight. And going to watch more Harry and Meghan, are you? Do you know what's going to happen? They'll all be really kind of like, how's your week? Da, 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 da. And they'll get two drinks into them and it'll be, tell us about that yeah, child. Yeah, yeah. And there I'll be, oh my sure, you'll be God. Trying to talk to because Listen trying to my podcasts and let me talk about something yeah, else. Harry and Meghan, yeah, which Harry is another Meghan. one of our... I'm going to go back and watch that. I've been reading up so <laughs> I'm so interested in that. Yes, I know. I'm going to, yeah, there's three more up on Netflix that I haven't had a chance to watch. So I'm going to light a fire and settle in to judge them. Have a couple of glasses of wine and tweet about Harry and Meghan. Exactly. Okay. Well, listen, we'll be back on next week. So over and out. Over and out. Thank you, Dicklin. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.